Welcome to the Wow Community Jokes. Have you ever been given a nickname? Some of mine growing up were Bernie, my last name, uh, not too original, Bernice, which I couldn't stand, I'll be honest. I'm not sure if it was the person who always called me that or not, but oh, it drove me nuts when I would hear, hey Bernice, uh, the, the one from grade three, the okie dokie kid, because if you can guess it, uh, I said okie dokie a lot, like, yeah, okie dokie, okie dokie. Hey, okie dokie. You see, you see, nicknames are often given to us and you don't get to pick them for yourself, but they often reflect something about us, my last name or saying okie dokie all the time, or a story about us, a, a perception about us. And if we're being completely honest, they don't always start off from a place of love and affection. They're, they're not necessarily terms of endearment. Uh, from my experience, nicknames actually begin from a place of humor or poking fun. Now, another nickname that you and I, as followers of Jesus, share is this one called Christian. Now, of course, it's developed into a proper noun, referring to a person adhering to a specific religion, but it began as a nickname. As we're going to see tonight, we're looking at the passage in Acts where followers of Jesus are being called Christians for the first time. And as we'll also see, it didn't begin as this term of endearment. Rather, it, it began as a nickname, revealing kind of this popular perception of what was going on at the time with this group of people who claimed to follow this guy named Jesus Christ. And for some people, they didn't realize the Jewish royal overtones to that. So they simply figured it was two names, Jesus Christ, Kevin Paul. But what I love about this nickname, if you will, reveals that as followers of Jesus, we should be able to be identified as Christians. Meaning there, <laughs> meaning there are identifiers that should set us apart. And they might be different than what you expect. So let's dig into Acts chapter 11. We're looking at verses 19 to 30. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. During this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. 
This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. So first off, we see that there is still a misconception that this message, the good news of Jesus, is only for the Jews. But over the last couple of weeks, what we've been seeing, and again tonight, we've seen that this is beginning to change. There's a new movement that's taking shape and it's moving towards sharing the gospel with the Gentiles, with everyone, that this is not just a Jewish message. And the exciting part is that they too, the Gentiles, are receiving and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is just blowing the minds of the Jewish people. But they too, the Gentiles, they are going to be nicknamed, along with the Jewish followers of Jesus, for this new identity as Christians. As I mentioned just before, as followers of Jesus, our lives should identify us as Christians. How? Well, let me explain. I believe the first identifier that our lives should reveal is evidence of the Holy Spirit at work. You see, Barnabas shows up after hearing about what's been happening and he witnesses firsthand the Spirit at work. Verse 23 says, he saw evidence of God's blessing. So what does this mean? Well, we might be tempted to think similarly with how I was raised, meaning that they must now be following this new specific moral way of living. But you see, my parents, they were brought up in something called the holiness movement, which involved a set of beliefs and practices which focused simply on what you can do and what you can't do. But it seemed to emphasize more of what you didn't do. For example, I wasn't allowed to go to the movie theaters as a kid. I wasn't allowed to play with playing cards, also known as the devil's deck. And drinking was a complete no-no. So it was really a double whammy on my parents when they caught me playing poker as a teenager with a deck of Labatt playing cards. But that's another story. But while many good things have come out of the holiness movement, and I can understand its intentions, I can even agree with some of my parents' motives, I believe that consequentially what we did was develop a new set of rules to define who was in and who was out. And this is somewhat what we do with this text is that Barnabas must have come with this new set of rules and could see who was in and who was out. But the text doesn't say that. The text says he saw the evidence of the Holy Spirit at work. I believe what Barnabas saw was life transformation, a new spirit working within people. Now, I know that comes with a lot of uncertainties, ambiguities, questions. It's easier to kind of have a list that people can check off. But he saw evidence of the Spirit, meaning he saw joy. Like the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Have you ever realized that that joy second? But often, sometimes Christians, they don't give much evidence of joy. But I believe he saw joy. I believe he saw freedom. And I believe he saw lightness. Because you see... People weren't in bondage to their old lives. They weren't in bondage to their past mistakes. They, they were given grace. They were given this new life. And if you've experienced this new life that Jesus offers through his spirit, you know what I'm talking about. Your surroundings haven't changed. Your circumstances haven't changed. Your struggles haven't gone away. Your past hasn't disappeared. But suddenly, none of these things define you. 
they, they don't have a hold on you. They don't have a grip on you. They're not weighing you down. You have a lightness, a freedom from the captivity that you've just been living in perhaps the, that morning or the previous day. And out of that comes a joy and a lightness because of the new life you've been given. The best way I can picture this in my mind is just thinking of a huge debt, whether my mortgage or student loans. And imagine someone comes in and they pay off this debt for you because of how much they love you. And then suddenly, you don't have this debt hanging over you. You don't have to make interest payments, let alone regular payments, to, to just suddenly be free to bless others because of the blessing I've received. That's life with Jesus. That's how he transforms our life. He says, you know all of these things you've done, the shortcomings, the mistakes, it's gone. It's wiped clean. You have new life. You can walk in joy and freedom. And it opens us up to newness, to life, to generosity, to blessing, and to possibility. And the second identifier then that our lives should reveal is involvement in the local church and participating in sharing the good news. Now, right off the bat, you might be thinking, sorry, Kev, I am not going to be able to preach anytime soon. And that's okay. That's not what I'm saying here. But as the body of Christ, as the church, we're called to be involved and to participate. Or you may be more familiar with the term serve. We're called to serve one another and to do so in love. Starting at verse 25, Barnabas goes off and gets Saul, soon to be Paul, and they come back to Antioch together, and they stay with the local church for a year, teaching. They're involved in the local church, in the local gathering, in the proclamation of the good news of Jesus. But not all of us are called to be teachers or preachers, and that's okay. That doesn't mean you can't still talk about Jesus and what he's done for you and is doing in your own life. Because you see, if someone or something is radically changing you and transforming your life, don't you naturally begin sharing about it? I've shared with people about new mops I've bought, about new cleaning things, about just things that make your life a little bit easier. So is Jesus doing that for you? And if he is, share it. Let people know because not everyone has that yet. That's why people are being called Christians here in this text because they're following this guy named Jesus and they're talking about Jesus and the life transformation of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. They didn't keep quiet about their faith, but they proclaimed it wherever they went. There's also other ways to be involved and to participate in the local church. It's not just all sharing, but like I mentioned in last week's announcements, even through your giving, it allows us to be able to meet together. It allows us to be able to take time to study, pray. It allows me to be able to meet with people, help people move closer in their relationship with Jesus. It allows to give activity bags to families in our community who are looking for things to do with their kids this summer. And it allows us to build relationships with them and hopefully one day be able to share Jesus with them. Involvement and participation can look like so many different things. It also includes opportunities you have to call on someone from the church, to ask for prayer or for pray for someone. 
It includes the meals that you've provided for when families have had new babies or they've been in the hospital. It includes the times before our current pandemic when you've opened up your house for us to meet for pool parties and celebrations and small groups. It includes the different teams you've served on, whether it was helping with our kids' church or setting up for church or tearing down from church or multimedia or the hospitality table so that we could create this warm, welcoming, relaxed environment to be able to gather together, to worship and connect with one another. This is some of what involvement and participation in the local church looks like. I don't believe it's just this, it looks exactly like this. There are so many creative ways. And now that we've moved online, there are more creative opportunities. And in our context today, as we continue to move toward becoming an independent church, Soon you'll have the opportunity for membership to be able to have even more ownership and involvement in our local church as we continue to make Jesus known so that lives and communities will be transformed. And the third identifier that our lives should reveal is generosity and care for others. I believe one thing that the church gets a bad rap for is its appeal for money. You see, we don't like people asking us for money, and especially in the midst of this current pandemic and financial uncertainty, it can feel a little callous to even ask for money. But just as I mentioned before, through our tithes and our offering, through our gifts, through our giving money to the church, we're able to minister more effectively and make Jesus known in our communities and around the world. I've already listed a few of the ways that your giving impacts us locally, but we also support our district ministries, which goes to support other churches and church plants across Canada. We support our Global Advance Fund, which supports international workers around the world, and it allows us to be able to be the church and respond generously to you if you ever need assistance. But we don't have that without generosity. You see, what I love in this passage though is that a prophet named Agabus stands up. He was led by the spirit to protect a famine. And rather than hoarding the money, kind of like protecting themselves and being like, oh, a famine's coming, we need this. They looked around the room, whoever was in attendance, looked around and said, who needs this more than we do? And they instantly showed care and concern for their neighbor. So they pooled all of their resources together, all that they could. Now keep in mind, it, it says that they, they didn't give everything away. It says that they gave as much as they could. You see, Amanda and I set up a budget every year and the first thing we commit to is how much we're gonna give to the local church. And for us, the minimum is 10%. Um, that's, for us, the principle we go by. We try and go beyond that. And when things come up, we try and dig a little deeper. But that's the biblical principle that we try and abide by, is giving God that first fruit, that first tenth back to him. But there are going to be times where you can give more, and there are going to be times when you can give less. And there are going to be times you can't give anything. And you simply need to allow the church to care for you. But this is the beauty of this act of generosity, is that by giving what they could, they were able to help support and provide for their brothers and sisters who needed help, who needed to be cared for. And we still get to do this today. 
We get to pool our resources together. We get to give what we can so that we can continue to make Jesus known in our community, so that we can continue to care for people who need to be cared for. I firmly believe that as followers of Jesus, our lives ought to be marked by radical generosity. Our lives as followers of Jesus ought to be marked by our care for others. And you might be thinking, well, why? Well, it's because of the radical generosity Jesus extends to you and to me. You see, the gospel of Jesus is a gospel of grace. It reminds us that all of these things that we just talked about tonight are merely identifiers. We're not being measured by them. We're not being graded by them. In fact, the gospel of grace reminds us that we can't do these things on our own. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need a relationship with Jesus. It's through our relationship with Jesus that he helps us do these things. And he ministers through us. And he ministers through our imperfections, our mistakes, our mishaps, whatever. And as we continue to walk with Jesus, as we continue to be filled with his spirit, he will begin to work within us and transform us. And he will help us display evidences, the fruit of the spirit. He will begin to help us get involved in the local church and learn how to participate and proclaim the good news that he is transforming your life. Ultimately, when we realize how much grace and blessing Jesus pours out on us, we too will become more and more generous as we pour out and extend grace and blessing to others. You see, the gospel of grace, the good news of Jesus at work in our lives naturally creates these identifiers within us. And these identifiers, they're more of a response to the work that Jesus is doing in our lives. See, it's not about slapping on this, hello, my name is name tag and saying, I am filled with the spirit. I am generous. I am involved in the local church. Like, in fact, if we have to tell people that we have these things or are these things, then chances are you're probably not these things at all. No, the truth is we simply have to lean into Jesus and allow him to create a new spirit within us, to fill us with his spirit. It's not about doing more. It's not about giving more. It's about allowing Jesus to do what he wants in your life and through your life. It's about allowing his grace to transform you from the inside out. This is when people will begin noticing the change. Like this is when people will start looking at you a bit different and will call you a Christian and you don't even have to say anything back. You simply smile, you accept it and you know, yeah, I am a Christian and I'm so glad that my life identifies me as one, that, that you were able to identify that within me. So just as we wrap up here tonight, I wanna leave you with some discussion questions. And again, I invite you to go through these and talk about them with your spouse, significant other, whoever might be around, a sibling, because I think tonight it might be good to get some outside feedback uh, especially as we're talking about identifiers in your life. So I'll put them on the screen, but you can, you can also find the discussion questions in the description or on our website. But the first question is, does your life display these identifiers? If so, how?
Secondly, on a scale from one to 10, rate the following. My life shows evidence of the Holy Spirit. Now, this was a tricky one to word because the moment you accept Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. But I also believe that there's a continual refilling of the Spirit, that we constantly need to be filled with the Spirit. So on a scale from 1 to 10, does your life show evidence of a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit? Second, I am involved and participating in the local church and the spreading of the gospel. And last, I am generous and show great care for others. So get some outside feedback into those. Rate yourself, ask someone else, a good friend, a spouse, to, to mark you on a scale as well and see if your numbers compare. And then last but not least, how can you ask Jesus to help you improve in one of these areas this week? Like, the temptation is to beg, I need to change everything, I need to do it all. No, no, no. How can you ask Jesus to help you improve in one of these areas this week? If you want to go for two or three, great. But let's just start with one. Lean into Jesus. Join me in prayer. Father, you know everything from what we say and do right down to our motives behind them. Help us to continue to lean into your son, Jesus, and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us the courage to take the next step in our faith so that we will experience you in our lives more deeply. We ask that you make yourself known in our lives so that the people we encounter will recognize that we are followers of Jesus, that we are Christians, that we are people who live in close relationship with your son, Jesus. We ask that as we share and proclaim the good news of what you've done and your love, and not just in general, but that we've experienced in our very own lives, we ask that you will grab a hold of the hearts and the lives of those around us and bring them into a relationship with you also. Jesus, we exist to make you known. Fill us with your spirit. Increase our involvement in the local church, our participation in proclaiming your kingdom. And may our lives be marked by radical generosity as we seek to love and care for others out of the love and care that you have for us. Thank you for being with us and within us and for never leaving us alone. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for worshiping with us online together. It has been great. Uh, I hope to see you again next Saturday at 5 p.m. Be sure to like and share this video to help spread the good news of Jesus around our community. Uh, don't forget to reach out too. If there's anything you need, prayer, information on taking next steps, someone to journey with, questions that you might even have about anything I said tonight, uh, simply email hello at thewellbinbrook.com and I would love to journey with you. But my prayer is that you will continue to take next steps in your faith, next steps in your relationship with Jesus, and that your life will be identified as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. May the grace and peace of Jesus be with you. Amen.